Thank you for listening to The Brook Podcast. We are real people finding real hope in the real world. Learn more at thebrookchurch.net. Well, I hope that your Christmas was both wonderful and worshipful, that it delivered to you and your family all that you had hoped for. You know, in thinking about the Christmas season, I was kind of asking myself, what is it that makes Christmas you know, so life-giving, really for everyone? As I thought about it, I, I said, you know, it's, it's really because Christmas encourages us to dream, doesn't it? You know, how many times were you asked over the Christmas season, what do you want for Christmas? And in just being asked what you want from Christmas, it triggers in you to start to think about what would I like or what do I believe would enrich my life, would make life a better for me. You know, dreams really fuel life, don't they? When you, when you stop dreaming, you, you really start dying. And Christmas is really about a dream come true. And it encourages us, I think, to dream about the role or the part that God has called us to in this redemptive story that he has for humanity. It's exciting to see, you know, the energy that actually receiving a gift or seeing a dream come true brings. You see these in kids, the little videos that they show on the news and all where kids are opening up their present and they're so excited, they're bouncing off the ceiling. I don't know how many of you saw the, the young man who uh, signed the $4.5 million signing bonus for, to play baseball. Did you see that? He gave his parents, he paid off their house and paid off all their debt and just the, you know, the warmth that that created in that family. Then I don't know if you saw the little, the little boy, I don't know how old he was, he got that giant bottle of ketchup. Wasn't quite sure what it was, but it, he, was, you know, he was excited to be holding it. Um, when dreams come true, it really energizes us, doesn't it? And so I, w- I want to ask you, not what do you want for Christmas? I want to ask you, what do you want 2019 uh, to deliver for you? Uh, what are the dreams, what are the desires that you would like to see unfold this year in your life? I'm not really asking you to, to make a, a New Year's resolution. I'm asking you to consider a, a New Year's incarnation. Christmas is about God being with us, isn't it? Emmanuel, God with us. If God showed up in an area of your life, what difference would it make? In what area of your life would you really like God to show up in? You know, it could be something as simple as your devotional time. You know, maybe it's, it's, it's gone dry and it's, it's stale. Uh, it could be your, your dinner time with the family and making that a very special time. Because reality is, is this, is God, when God shows up in kind of the ordinary events of life, they become extraordinary. They take on eternal significance. And the beautiful thing is that God wants to be a part of every aspect of our lives. And so this morning, I want to revisit the Christmas story, one that we just celebrated. And, and I want to look at it from a perspective of this, that, that what God took Mary and Joseph through is very similar to the process that he takes every one of us through in, in bringing us to embrace the dreams, the calling, the commission on our life, the part that we are to have in his redemptive plan in the world and really what he wants us to experience uh, from life. So if you open your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to look at Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25, very familiar verses, verses that you've probably heard read many times over the Christmas season, but we want to look at it from just a little bit different 
perspective this morning and personalize it in a pretty significant way. So the word of the Lord says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. As I said, Christmas is about a dream, a dream come true. It's about the fulfillment of God's promise that was really made all the way back in the Garden of Eden, that he would provide a savior to reconcile man from its rebellion to God and restore relationship. And the process that God took Mary and Joseph through is very similar to the process that he takes us all through in our maturation process, in our connecting to the calling, the commissioning, the reason that we were created and placed in the world. And there is nothing more life-giving than connecting to the cause or the purpose that you were created for. And what I want us to consider today is that, you know, it is in the very ordinary activities of life that God shows up in that make them extraordinary, that give them eternal value, that really connect us to our part in the redemptive story, the telling of this miraculous message that God took on flesh and blood, that he loved us enough to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, and by simple faith alone has restored us to perfect relationship with him. The story begins with a celebration that leads to a crisis or a confusion that requires clarification from, you know, revelation of God to actually get Joseph to a point of being compliant to embracing this calling on his life. So look with me first at the celebration. Now, the birth of Jesus took place this way when his mother Mary and Joseph had been betrothed to each other. It started off with a very ordinary event. You know, people get engaged or betrothed, you know, all the time. Mary and Joseph had waited their entire life to finally see the person that they would spend the rest of their life with, that they would start a family with. And it started with a celebration that they had finally been brought together. Now, most marriages at this time in history were arranged by the parents. And so this was probably an arranged marriage. They met each other, and they began to celebrate the dream that was beginning to unfold. Now, betrothal was a little bit different than engagement because it required an actual divorce to get out of, and it usually lasts a year. A year. So we don't know exactly at what point in the betrothal that Mary is uh, visited by the angel Gabriel and told that you're with child, but we know that it actually produces this huge crisis. Now, to understand the emotional state and drama that these two are going through, you really kind of have to understand their age. First of all, in this culture, a woman to be betrothed could be betrothed as a young age as 12 and a man at 13. 
And so we don't know the exact ages of Mary and Joseph, but they were really probably relatively young. And uh, they were dealing with how do you process all that was happening? Because they really went from celebration to crisis overnight. It reads this. It says that <clears throat> before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And, you know, Joseph and Mary went from you know, planning a marriage to planning a divorce. They went from excitement to to exasperation. You, you can't even imagine the sense of betrayal that Joseph was feeling because he entered this crisis of faith. He couldn't believe that his betrothed, Mary, this pure woman, would actually be with child and then would be telling him such a, such a far-fetched story. So Joseph saw that the only alternative that he had to the dream that he had held with Mary was to let it die, was to divorce her was to put her away. There were really three choices that Joseph had at that time. It was to expose her publicly, which actually risked under the law the death sentence for Mary. He loved her, so he didn't see that as a possibility. Secondly, he could divorce her privately, which was what he was planning on doing. And third, he could go forward and actually marry her. But that wasn't a possibility, given that he was a, an honorable man. You know, the reality is, is this, <clears throat> is whenever God starts to move in our life and plants a dream in us, more times than not, what God uses to mature it or refine it is crisis, is tests, is trials in our lives. And this is what Joseph and Mary ran into. As soon as they had been betrayed, they hit this crisis of, of, of faith where they had to ask themselves, how can this be a good thing? The reality is this is oftentimes God's blessings, if not seen from the right perspective, feel like burdens. You know, we start to think that, you know, God is, is, is against whatever we were a part of, that he's closing the door, that he's not holding it open for us. And it takes oftentimes divine revelation to bring clarification as to how God can take a dream that looks like it's to die and revive it, because that is exactly what he did in this relationship. And it's what he does in most of our lives when we take hold of a calling or a dream and we run into difficult times. He says, we'll see with how this ends. The difficulty doesn't mean that your dream has been derailed. It doesn't mean that at all. Sometimes we think when things get hard, we must be outside of God's will, and that's not necessarily the case. Sometimes when God shows up in the midst of it, it stirs up all kinds of challenges that require greater faith to press through. And that's exactly what God does for Joseph. It's from the, the confusion he brings clarity by providing revelation. Look at verse 20, it says this, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place that the Lord had spoken of by the prophets. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and actually reminds him of five different things. And these are things that really we all need to be reminded of as we seek to step into the calling on our life, the commission that God has called us to, as we seek to believe that God can take the very ordinary events of life and turn them into extraordinary activities for his glory and for his mission 
in the world. And the first is this, is he brings him recollection or he reminds him of who he is. It says, Joseph, son of David. The angel of the Lord reminds Joseph that he is of a royal bloodline, that there is greatness in his lineage. And you know, for most of us, the first thing that Satan attacks in trying to undermine the dreams that he's planted, that God has planted in our hearts is he, is he attacks our self-esteem. He wants us to forget really who we are in Christ, who we belong to. And then if he can steal our identity from us, he can fill us with fear that will keep us from the faith to pursue what God has planted in our hearts, the dreams and the desires, the hopes, the longings that are in us. And he attacks that by helping it, by having us forget that we're children of God, that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, that you are righteous not because of your behavior, but because of Christ's declaration, Christ's death, that you are capable of anything that God determines to, uh, to call you into. And so Joseph is reminded, first of all, that there was greatness in him, that he comes from, the, from David, from the king, of the, he's related to the king of Israel, to David, who is in the bloodline of the promised Messiah. And then it goes from a recollection to an exhortation. He says, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. When confusion hits, it creates caution. Fear has an easy way of creeping into things when things don't, begin, you know, don't continue to unfold as you want them to. When your plan doesn't you know, work out perfectly, it causes you like, to tap the brakes, to step back, to wonder, you know, have I, have I missed something? Am I doing the right thing? And it's, it's, it's scary to step into a God-sized dream. I don't know how many of you have ever done that, but, you know, I've been asked in my life, when I answered the call to go into ministry, you know, it was a, it was a clear calling and it made perfect sense. If God's calling me into ministry, I probably need to go to seminary. I probably need to prepare. And that scared me to death. Now, the reason why that scared me, I don't know if all the, over all the years that I've, that I've been in and out of here, I've ever told you guys this, but you know, I'm dyslexic. Um, school was not an easy thing for me. In fact, it was a difficult thing. It stirred up all kinds of just terrible feelings inside of me and memories and, and, and all. And I had struggled to get through college and the idea of going back to school and graduate school and studying Hebrew and Greek was just really overwhelming. It's like, wow, you know, God, do you really want me to do this? Most of the time when God is calling you to something significant, it's going to require to you to overcome the fear inside of you, the insecurities that will surface in you as you start to think about the process of actually pursuing the things that God uh, wants you to embrace, to to actually step into your purpose and to embrace your destiny. Faith must overcome the fear, and that is putting our confidence more in what God says about us than what we think about ourselves. It requires faith in what we know about God to overcome the fears of the unknown, the uncertainties that are in front of us, because it will always, they will always be there. It's never going to be easy to embrace your destiny, your calling. The evil one will simply try to undermine it. And Joseph is basically told, you know, do not be afraid. Why? Because he was probably scared to death. And it wasn't just that an angel was standing in front of him. It was the whole idea of what he was in the center of, of what he was having to do, even in his own mind, to follow through and, and disgrace Mary by divorcing her and ending that. This was, this was overwhelming. And it doesn't matter who you are, God will take every one of us through this process of embracing or pushing through the fears 
in following God by faith. It's scary to walk by faith. And so God exhorts each and every one of us, as you begin to assess what the future is to hold for you, the steps that you are to take to, to unwrap your dreams and your destiny, it will require each of us to overcome fear with faith. Then God gives Joseph a confirmation through this revelation. He says, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph was struggling to really believe that what Mary had told him could actually be true. And you know, the vast majority of us will have doubts in the things that God plants in our heart. When you begin to think about, or you get a, a vision for God showing up in the midst of something, it's going to be over and over that you're going to be challenged to think, you know, am I crazy for thinking that God would use me? That God would put me in the center of this kind of activity? Embracing the idea that Mary had actually been conceived with the Holy Spirit took enormous faith. And it took God providing revelation to actually say, this is of God, the Holy Spirit is in it. Revelation replaces reservation with resolve. When you absolutely know and you believe that what you have heard is from God, it, it, it provides you the courage to actually pursue the calling on your life. Now that takes faith. You have to believe what God says. And the struggle is for the vast majority of us, while we oftentimes know what God says, we don't completely believe what God says. Because our reality undermines the, uh, the, the practice. When God says we're holy and we know we're sinning, we struggle to believe that we can overcome those things. And overcoming the, whole, the false belief about who we are and what God wants to do in our lives is central to our being able to step into the calling on our lives. I don't know how many of you are familiar or fans of Lauren Daigle. But she has a song out right now called You Say, and it really speaks to me. Now, maybe it only speaks to me because, you know, I struggled with my learning ability to really believe that I was capable of much of anything, that I could believe that God had a plan for me, a destiny for me that, that could take me beyond the struggles that I had in, in very ordinary activities. But this song says this. It says, I keep fighting voices in my mind that say that I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just a song of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. And the chorus says this, you say I am loved when I can't find a thing. You say I am strong when I think that I am weak. And you say I am held when I am falling short. And when, I'm, when, when I don't belong, you say I am yours. I believe, I believe. Do you believe? Do you really believe what God says about you? That you're a child of God, that the Spirit of God lives inside of you, that the Scripture says that nothing is impossible for you with God's help? It goes on and it says this, the only things that matter now is everything you think of me. In you I find my worth. In you I find my identity. If you are ever going to be able to embrace the full calling, the dreams that God has really deposited in your heart that will lead you, that will direct you to your destiny, it starts with your understanding that you are capable of anything and everything that God's called you to. That the only obstacle that can keep you from your destiny is you. And it's you believing less of yourself than what God says of you. And if you do nothing else 
in 2019, but embrace the truth of who you are in God, it will be an extraordinary year for you because it will change everything about how you face every situation in life. And we are all enormously blessed to be children of God. It moves from this confirmation to a full, uh, to, to instruction. Once you've embraced the dream, then it's like, well, what do I do? Well, well, the angel speaks. He says, she will bear a son and you shall name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When you get clarification and confirmation of what God calls you to, you begin to make plans to step into the future that God has for you. Uh, he says, name him Jesus and realize that he is going to be the Messiah. He is going to save the world from his sins. Now, pause for a minute and realize that this young man, what he was just being invited into, what had just been confirmed in his heart, that the child in the womb of the woman that you are betrothed to is actually the Son of God. That takes a lot to embrace that calling in your life and to begin to say, okay, I'm actually going to follow through. I'm going to name him Jesus. I'm going to believe what the, what the angel said. And I'm going to trust that I am going to be the father of the son of God on earth. That's an enormous vision. So the angel goes a little bit further and provides full um, illumination. He says this, all this took place to fulfill the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. All God that had promised from the beginning of time was actually being fulfilled in Mary. There was actually prophecies that spoke of the actual present reality that Joseph found himself in. And here's what I want you to realize. While you may not be called to be the mother of Jesus or the, or the stepfather of Jesus, you have been called to play a significant part in this same redemptive plan. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And this is the part I want you to see. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were created... God designed you to make a contribution in this world in relationship to, to his plans and purposes in the world. So just as Joseph was providentially chosen to fulfill the ministry and role that he had, you have been providentially designed. The dreams that you have, the desires that you have, have been placed in you to direct you into the destiny that God has called you to. And God wants to, to be a part of everything that you're doing, to turn the ordinary activities of your life into missional activities where the story of his redemptive plan can be told, where the manifold wisdom of his truth can be incarnated in how you live your life and how you face the challenges of each day. And you, before time, were crafted to be the person that you are today to fulfill a specific divine destiny in relationship to God's work in the world. Now, the vast majority of us struggle with that. We say, you know, I'm not good enough or I'm not capable. But that's the challenge of the evil one who wants to uproot the dreams that God's put in you, the call that he has on your life, 
to embrace the whole idea that you do have a significant part and plan and role in everything that God is doing. And if you want 2019 to become exceptional, it starts with embracing and asking God, how is it that you want to enter my world? How is it that you want to be a part of my daily activities? How do you want to take the temporal things that I'm doing and turn them into eternally valuable activities because they become a part of the redemptive work and plans of God? The only one, again, that can stop you from stepping into the destiny that God has for you is you. If you not believing, if you letting fear overcome um, your faith and your confidence. And so after the revelation and the explanation of what Joseph was in the middle of, he complies to the calling on his life. and says, when, Jesus, when Joseph woke up from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had been given birth to their son, and he called him Jesus. Joseph woke up, and he obeyed what God had said. You know, you know dreams aren't just for dreaming, they're for doing. You know, Don't let 2019 unfold without you stepping into, taking actions to incarnate the dreams that God has placed in you. And I don't know exactly what they are, but I know that God wants to do miraculous things and in through you. And here's what I also know, is this crisis of faith will surface. That doing is not easy, that, that there will be difficulties. And as you look at, at what Joseph went through, from traveling to Bethlehem and, and giving birth to Jesus in a stable, to fleeing to Egypt, to, to escape Herod's you know, slaughtering of babies, to returning to Nazareth, and all the gossip of the town folks about Mary's conception. Those weren't easy things. But they were things that Joseph was able to do because he became convinced that God was in them. So what are our takeaways today? First is this, don't be afraid to dream big dreams. The bigger you can dream, the bigger your God becomes and the more dependent you will learn to live on him. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. We are all part of a redemptive plan and work of God. We have been placed in the lives of the people that we rub shoulders with every day for eternal purposes and reasons. A crisis of faith are designed not to destroy, but to elevate your dreams, not to eliminate them. God wants to not ruin your dream, but to refine them, to grow them, to expand them. This crisis will develop you, not destroy you, if you will trust God to do his work in you. Clarification of your calling comes through embracing God's revelation. Define your capacity and your worth by what God says about you, not what you think about yourself. And finally, make 2019 extraordinary by inviting God into the very ordinary activities of your life. Incarnate his presence in everything that you do and watch the ordinary become an extraordinary journey of experiencing God in everything that you do. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to The Brook Podcast. We are real people finding real hope in the real world. Learn more at thebrookchurch.net.